Welcome to RLA's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy week seven in our new series, Non-Negotiables, by Pastor Renee Molina. dive right into the message uh, today. And I'm really, really excited. We've been covering a series called Non-Negotiables. And um, this is going to be our seventh week of 10. So we're almost there. If you've been like, can we get something new? Um, We're almost there. We're almost there. Um, But uh, we've been covering this series uh, called Non-Negotiables. And it's it's kind of a series, in other words, called Foundations, in, in a sense. It's a foundations. It's, it's, our, it's our, uh, our foundations. And um, week one, we could put it on the screen. Week one, we were recapping, uh, just to recap, week one was we spoke about our belief and trust in God. We spoke about how that is like a fundamental cor- uh, cornerstone for this church. Um, I don't know if you know, but I've read, I've read atheist books and... Um, and it's 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 crazy. Most of what they believe, most we love atheists, you know, even if they believe differently. But most of the beliefs of atheists is out of emotion, out of because they wanted God to do something and He didn't do it. And a lot of atheists they don't believe in God because of emotion, out of emotion, out of anger, out of hurt. And so, um, so we were talking about who God is. It was it was awesome. And then week two we spoke about the Trinity about how that affects our lives. If you missed that, that message, it was really, really good. You can look at it, uh, check it out on the podcast. We spoke about how the Trinity has to become a model for how we do life. Three different people in one harmony, we need to apply that in our everyday life. Um, then we spoke about who is Jesus, then the kingdom message, then women are, are equals, and then how sin hurts our entire lives was last week. And today, we're going to be talking about the church's calling. And, uh, and if you're here, if you're kind of new to uh, what we're building here, I want to tell you that we just don't talk about vague ideas. We talk about ideas and things, biblical ideas, that transform our everyday. And so I don't want you to think that this is like just this thing that we stay up in the sky and in the clouds. No, 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 no. Everything we talk about here has uh, effects for our everyday life. And so today, I am super excited for today, which is uh, the church's calling. And so with that being said, let's dive right in. God, we thank you for everything that you're doing around us. We thank you for the obvious And we thank you for the secretive things you're doing in our lives. God, thank you for the things we notice and even the things we don't notice. Thank you for doing that, God. And we ask that you may speak to us today, God, for those that couldn't come to today's gathering because of school, work, um, um, laziness, or they're in a season of just they want to do their own thing, God. God, we just ask that you may show them your love and your kindness. And and God, we thank you for, for everything. And uh, please, God, let the Dodgers win the World Series. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, man, the Dodgers are on fire. Can I get amen, Dodger fans? Wow. Okay. So that's my cue. So today, I want to talk about the, how the church, the people all over the world that follow Jesus is key to God restoring the world is key to God restoring the world. And I want to I want to I want to get I want to tell you something. Instead of asking where is God, we should be asking where is the church? Because God is always ready. God is always willing 
But he has sent ambassadors, he has sent representatives to do his work, to do his representation, to do what he does. And so instead of asking, where is God? We should be asking, where is the church? Someone once said that the streets are a report card of the church. And if the streets are broken, it's not their fault per se. It's the fault of the church because the church is supposed to uh, uh, be used to restore the world. And so I want to I want to I want to kind of pose that question to you. It's not where is God? It's where is the church? And I do want to just share with you that I know there's been abuses in churches. I know there's been abuses. Did you know that the Bible is aware that there are people that try to build churches out of, out of, out of abuse? And abuse the name of God and abuse the name uh, of, of Jesus. I don't know if you heard most recently, there's this, so, there's this church and it's called La Luz del Mundo. Um, and they just, like, it's on L.A. Times, like, the main leader of, like, it's almost like a cult. Just got, I, I have it here. They, um, they, he's in prison for human trafficking, for rape, and child pornography. Yeah. And he is, like, the big leader of that church. And, and he's, I think it's like a $50 million bail. It's, it's crazy. In the name of God. In the name of Jesus. There are so much, there's so much abuse out there. I've heard churches in L.A. that it's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's painful to hear what goes through these. There's people that they've come now to, to, to our church. They've said, Renee, I used to go to a church and, and I would go there all the time and that was my church. And then all of a sudden I hear that that church no longer exists and that the pastor moved to somewhere somehow after picking up a fundraiser. Wow. I've heard other churches where they go up to people and they literally tell the, the people, like, the pastor goes up and says, hey, my wife likes your bag. Can you give it to her? And people actually do it. Can you believe it? He would go up to men and be like, hey, I like your, your truck. Can you give it to me? I'm not making this up. Like, seriously, there are churches that are abusing people. There are churches that you don't run to. You run away from. And I, I know, I grew up in pastoral circles. There are pastors that it is embarrassing, their attitude and their behavior. Like if you don't have like a, a seat reserved for them, they get upset and they get angry. And they say, I am the chief president and apostle so-and-so. How do you not have a seat and a parking for me reserved? It's like, my goodness. And then we wonder why people doubt God, why people think God is a fake and, a, and phony. And because there are abuses. We're hearing uh, the things that are going on in, in some Catholic churches of the abuse of, of minors. There is abuse in churches. I'm aware of that. The Bible is aware of that. Some people build churches for money. Some people build churches for fame, for uh, attention. It is true, everybody. There are abuses. Like I told you, I grew up in, in pastoral circles, and I'm like, and, and even Kaylee has seen it too. Like, it's like, ugh. And you are supposed to, like, lead people? My gosh. Wow. But what I want to tell you is, is that only because some are false or corrupt 
That doesn't mean all of them are like that. Some are genuine. Some are truly there for love, for people. How many have done that with different races? Oh, this race, they're known for this. Oh, that race, they're known for that. And sometimes people say, and I can say this because my, my parents are Guatemalan, Salvador, Salvadorian. Um, some people just say, oh, Salvadorians, they all, they're, they're all like this. Or, or Guatemalans, they're all like that. They're always late. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's like only because one of them is like that doesn't mean that all of them are like that. You follow me? Only because that one burger and that one spot was bad doesn't mean their whole menu is bad. Can I get an amen? That's, that's a powerful word right there. That's very powerful. <laughs> Does that make sense, though? So many of the times when we hate generalizing other races, we also generalize churches. And we, always, and we also say all churches are a fraud. All churches are corrupt. All churches are full of abuse, et cetera, et cetera. Can I tell you that's not true? Some churches are actually there, believe it or not, not for the money, not for the attention, but to actually restore people's lives. And so with that being said, I, I did want to address the abuse that there are in churches. But now what I want to talk to you about is what the church is called to do. And so if you have a Bible, can you go to Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5. I want to, I, I, as you're looking for it, I want to tell you this. If the leaders of a church, if the people, the most influential leaders of a church have shown you love, they've shown you kindness, they've shown you respect, stay at that church, even though the people at the church, you know, may be, some may be special. Because <laughs> how many know churches are imperfect? But if the leaders have shown you kindness, have shown you love, they've shown you that they actually care, then stick to that church. Stick to that church. So Matthew 5, in the most important, um, some people call this, mes this message from five, uh, Matthew 5 to 7, the constitution, in a sense, of, of the church and of, of living for God. Uh, Matthew 5, 13, I want to talk about the two natures of the church, and I am so excited for this. No more bad news, okay? Um, good news. Matthew 5, verse 13, Jesus says to these people, these poor, unknown people that are following him, he says, um, he says, he says you are the salt of the earth. Say with me, Salt. And then he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And then Jesus is telling these people again. He says, you are the light of the world. Say with me, I am light. Say with me, I am salt. Say with me, I am salty. <laughs> Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before other people that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Tell the person next to you, your salt and light. Exactly. 
I want to focus, number one, on salt. Jesus says, you are salt. You are salt. You know, you're salt. Did you know that in Jesus' time, in the first century, some people would say there are two essential things in life, salt and sunshine. Salt was one of the most essential things in ancient times. Salt was one of the most, most important things. Did you know that salt is, I don't know if you know this, but the reason why you love chipotle so much is because they put a lot of salt in it. <laughs> That's why their chips are so good. There's, there's so much lemonly salt in there, right? Also, some people, um, um, some people say there is nothing more useful. In ancient times, someone said there is nothing more useful than salt and sunshine. Salt is one of the basic necessities of the world. That's what people would say about salt. And salt has two roles. Salt, number one, in ancient times, it was used to preserve food. Nowadays, we have refrigerators, right? We have freezers that sometimes we leave things there and we didn't even know they're still there, right? We're like, oh, snap, that, th that thing's been in there for ages. <laughs> because that's what's used to preserve our food, right? Fridge. But back in, the uh, back in the day, they didn't have refrigerators. You know what they had? They had salt. Salt was used to preserve food. If not, the food would get rotten. Salt was used to keep the, the food's taste, in the uh, to preserve the taste, to keep it fresh, and so it doesn't rot. What does that mean? That means when Jesus says, you are the salt, that means you're called to go to places to preserve them so they don't rot. You're called to be, to be refrigerators of people. You're called to preserve people. You're called to... Make sure people don't rot. You're called to make sure people don't, their marriages don't rot. You are salt. Does that make sense? Your family members that are going through crazy things, you're called to preserve them. You're called to take care of their health and take care of their well-being. You guys follow me? You're called to preserve people. At your job, if you have authority, you're called to preserve that place, that company. You're salt. High five the person next to you and tell them you're salt. Exactly. Churches are supposed to function like salt factories. The thing is that there's churches that are too salty. They all just stay around church people. It's like, no, the point is to go into places that are rottening and that are getting bad, and you're called to go preserve it. You're called to keep it fresh. Whatever place you work at, I don't know what, maybe you might work at Target or Walmart, I don't know, but you're called to keep that place fresh. If you work at a dealership, you're called to keep that place fresh and, avoid, and prevent it from rottening. That's, that's the thing that Jesus called us to do. Some of us, I'm not going to point out who, because <laughs> I'm not thinking of anyone, but some of us, we actually add to the stink and the stench 
and the rot of places. And Jesus is like, no, you're not called to do that. You're called to add freshness to the places you go to. Do you add freshness to your family, to your home? I hope so. I hope that when people in your family, when they see you coming, they're like, oh, here comes my fridge. You know, here comes my preservator. Oh, they're going to bring something good to me. They're going to keep me fresh. Do you freshen people up or do you make them more drained and hate life more? That's God has called us to be salt. Churches are supposed to make their communities and their cities better. One of my mentors, one of my professors, he said, if a church leaves a neighborhood and the neighborhood never noticed, they were never a church. How are we making our environments better? How are we making our businesses better? Does that make sense? I love it because... Salt was used to keep the taste of food. That's the second thing salt was made to do. It was made to season. Ooh, yeah, to add that taste. What do you do when something needs some more flavor? You know, it's just the, you know what I mean? The salt bay, just add that salt. To add flavor to it. That's what you are. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. You're called to add flavor to your environment. Can I get an amen? Am I, am I the only one excited for this? Come on, everybody. I need you guys with me on this. You're called to add flavor to your environments, to your neighborhoods. You're called to add a flavor to Chick-fil-A, to to your business, to, to Target, to wherever you go, your household, your daycare, your school, the, the law enforcement. You're called to add flavor to wherever you go. You're called to season it. You're called to make the party better. Now, I'm not saying you're called to be the life of the parties, make you the center of attention. No. But what I'm saying is that you got add, add some flavor, add, add a little goodness to that party. Our, our founder and our amazing number one leader, senior leader Jesus, <laughs> he made wine. He, he turned water into wine in a party so the party could keep going. It's in the Bible. The party was going, and, and there, was no more, uh, there, was no, there was no more wine. And Jesus was like, I know how to add salt to this party. Give me, give me those barrels. His mom told them, hey, you know, go make some. They, they need some wine. We know you can add, uh, you know, flavor to the party. And Jesus was like, all right, bring them to me. And Jesus did his thing, and he turned water into wine. He made the party even better. When you go to places, are you like Debbie the Downer? Are you the person that drains the life of the party? Are you the person that, oh, here comes, here they come with their religious things. Okay, everybody, we got the party, you know. Yeah, preach to us now. It's like you're called to add flavor to the environment. One of my, one of my favorite movies, and it's not a... Um, I always like to say it when, when it's not. It's not a kid's movie. Um, I don't know if you've seen Schindler's List. 
crazy movie, very powerful movie. And one of the most powerful examples of being salt in an environment is this man named Oscar Schindler. And he was at a party, and he gets there. He's an unknown person. And he arrives to, it's like a dinner. And little by little, he starts, how many have seen that movie? Who's seen uh, Schindler's List? Yeah, in that first scene, he starts, like, adding, like, people to the environment, to his, to his table, and they start talking, and things start getting better and better. He, the party just goes on and on and on, and everybody's like, who is this person that's adding so much flavor to this dinner? My goodness. That is what, that's an example of salt. You need to be a little more salty. So, does that make sense? We're called to be salt. And the second thing Jesus says that we're called to do is that we're called to be light. This is a big deal. It's kind of hard. It doesn't mean much to us because we're surrounded by so much electricity. We could turn on and off switch. But in Jesus' time, those people that were listening to these words, you guys, I want you to know, without having a candle, without having a lamp, it's like living blind. How many have been to Joshua Tree or Yosemite? Like, literally, you step out at nighttime, and you can't even see your hands in front of you. That's how dark it was in Jesus' time. And so light was a huge deal. It was essential. You couldn't get around without light. And in the same way, Jesus says, you're called to light people's path up. You're called to lead people. You're called to guide people. People that are completely live in, they don't even know where they're going. You're called to light up their path. Who at work is walking around, they don't even know where they're going. You're called to light up their path. At school, wherever you go, you're called to be light. You're called to guide people. I remember when we were in uh, Yosemite, that, man, that was a crazy experience. We heard like, we thought we heard uh, bears, but it was like, it was, it was deers and it was just, it was crazy. I'm, I'm really not a like outdoorsy person. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just hear someone go, mm. <laughs> um, I was, I recently was like trying to capture a little lizard and I felt like the most amazing outdoors person ever. And it was in the house. It was, it was crazy. But my point is, we were out in, um, in Yosemite, and it was so dark. So, so dark. I remember we also went once to Joshua Tree. Who's gone to Joshua Tree? To be honest, um, I expected a little more from Joshua Tree. It's just a bunch of trees that look really different. I don't know. People love it. But anyways, um, and it was nighttime, and it was so dark. You could even see your hands in front of you. And that's how it was in Jesus' time. In Jesus' time, it was a completely pitch black darkness. And so when Jesus was saying, you are light to this world, that's a big deal. Who do you know in your life? They're walking around and they're constantly bumping themselves into other things. And then they're crashing with something else. And then they're crashing with something else. You're called to help them, to guide them. I heard someone recently say that their passion is to guide immigrants on helping them to get their license and helping them to get ready whenever they get the DMV test to help immigrants get their license. 
That is being light. That is what we're called to do. We're called to guide people. Churches are supposed to function as lighthouses. One of my dreams, and, and I, I haven't shared this like publicly, one of my dreams is for this church to be the number one employer in the city. One of my dreams is for this church to be the number one employers of the city and so people could notice what we're doing for the city. We're providing resources for the city. We're providing schools for the city. We're providing care for the city. That's what churches are called to do. It's more than just weekend services. Weekend services is part of it. It's our gathering. But it's way more than that. It's making sure our city gets better and better and better. And so I close and I want to tell you why you need a healthy church. Number one, you need a healthy church because it helps you center your life on God. Your church will help you, will remind you, hey, remember, life is not about you. Life is about God. Your church will constant is like a reminder. It's like that trainer that is reminding you, hey, remember, we got gym session tomorrow. Hey, remember, that burger that you ate yesterday, it's going to hurt today. Does that, you know what I mean? The church helps you center your life on God. Number two, the church helps you to connect with other healthy people. The church helps you connect with other people that want to restore their lives and restore the lives of others as well. The church also helps, helps you cultivate your life with God. The church is supposed to help you grow with God provide resources for you, provide environments for you to grow with God. Next, the church is called to help you, uh, to, to help you contribute to others. And lastly, the church helps you communicate God's message. Does that make sense? What's the key word in every one of those? Yes, that's true. And helps. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's true. <laughs> the church helps. That's what we're called to do. The church is called to help cities, help neighborhoods. I've, I, uh, my, my parents are Central American. And um, I've seen big, big churches in Central America. And the church is flourishing, but the city is deteriorating. There's more violence than ever. That church is doing something fundamentally wrong. Churches are supposed to improve cities, not deteriorate them. Renee, where'd you get that from? Jesus' basic message that you are salt and you are light. The church is called to help. One of uh, the, I, and I close with this, one of the earliest church fathers, you know what he compared the church to? The church is a mother of people. It's a mom. Churches are supposed to function like moms. Think about that for a moment. One of my goals and dreams for this church 
is to be able to care and improve our precious L.A. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to be, a church is supposed to be a factory of salt that improves cities, improves neighborhoods. On behalf of our church, we want to thank you for listening to this week's message. RLA is a biblical grassroots church located in South Los Angeles. We are a community who is here to restore the hurting, anxious, and those discouraged by the